Welcome back, everyone. I'm Jonathan. I'm Emily. And I'm Steve. It's still racing week, and we are racing to the finish line on this topic. Oh, by... God. Oh, come on. Let's give me this. No. Um, <laughs> you get nothing. All right, fine. Uh, we're talking about ways to deal with some of the problems that occur in racing games on the tabletop. And uh, one of the things we haven't really talked about all that much is wagering, because people place bets on races. This is a thing. Like, money, all the money, time. Money. Like, you, races for horses, races for dogs, like... For cars, for, for boats. You know, people place bets on who's going to come in first. This is, this is a common thing all over the place, and that's a game in and of itself. And so it's not terribly surprising that a lot of tabletop games decide to incorporate that into their racing. And that's actually a really convenient way to deal with the whole runaway leader thing. Because if you're betting on who's going to win, well... Maybe not a bad, such a bad thing if that person wins after all, you know? Well, because everybody gets to place yeah. bets on them. Now it suddenly becomes a question of, well, if we're all going to win this bet, who's going to win the bets on who comes in second and third and fourth? Mm-hmm. So it stays interesting right up to the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the most prominent game of this sort that's out there these days is <sighs> Camel Up. I never knew that you hated Camel Up so much. Oh, he loathes I just, it. Uh, I never knew this about you. So, okay. Some, I like it myself. Some, I don't mind it. I think it's totally okay. Somebody besides me talk about Camel Up, please. <laughs> so Camel Up is about a camel race in the desert. Uh, players do not control a camel in the race. It's not about getting your camel to the finish line in, in a literal sense. It's about making the most money by making smart bets on the overall outcome of the race as well as um, sort of checkpoint outcomes that happen as well. Uh, one of the neat things that Camel Up does, uh, and it's related to the name Camel Up, is the animals stack on top of each other. So if two camels uh, land on the same space, the one who got there second is goes on top of the stack. And now that camel is technically winning the race, which it, it creates a, an interesting dynamic that uh, I don't think I've ever seen in any other racing game. But you can bet on things like which one's going to win, which camel's going to lose, which camel will be in the lead at the end of any given leg of the race. Um, You can also manipulate the race track with uh, special tiles that will earn you money if a camel lands on them. And those tiles, when you play them, you choose whether they are a bump forwards for whoever lands on it or a bump backwards for whoever lands on it. So you you can affect uh, the game in in different ways with those tiles. And Camel Up also has some unique bits that uh, provide some visual appeal to the game. Yes, absolutely. The pyramid. So how you move camels in Camel Up is there's this like cardboard pyramid that you put dice. Yes, you in. put you the put dice put your in. Camels. It's been so long since I've played this game. And you throw the dice in them and then when it's, you know, time for the camels to move, you give it a shake and you pop a dice out and that camel moves. And the dice are in different colors, one for each camel. Mm-hmm. So if the orange one comes out with a two on it, the orange camel goes yeah. two spaces. And, so and if there are any camels on the orange camel's back, they move, they move along with them. Little camel stack. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you, we talked about like the, the camel bits, but they're really, they're so cute. They're Candy just, like, are something. They're just so well designed. They're just like mm-hmm. so nicely shaped, yeah. you know? So like organic and like ergonomic and all that crap there's they're and great they fit together perfectly that's the thing there's, there's they just like you just 
we were describing to you like yeah you like take the camel and you put it on top of the other camel but like there's no way to describe the feeling of like just the camel just like oh and it's just like there and it's like they were never meant to be apart you know <laughs> now camel up does some things that are similar to a game that jonathan doesn't hate and that would be lemming mafia so here's my problem Camel Up was nominated for the Spiel des Jahres Award on the same year as Splendor and Concept. Concept, yay. It snore lasted a minute too long there. So, and the thing is that uh, it was, uh, when it won that year and uh, beat those other two games, which I consider to be better than it, um, I had played the other two. I had not played Camel Up, so I had high hopes for it. And I also knew that it was similar to Lemming Mafia. I thought, okay, Lemming Mafia only better. This is going to be great. Uh, no. It's Lemming Mafia, except needlessly more complicated. So with Lemming Mafia, you've got these six lemmings who are racing to be the first one to jump off the edge of the pier. Oh, Jesus And uh, you are the Lemming Mafia who are, A, betting on which ones are going to win, and win, and uh, <laughs> B, trying to rig the race. Because you're the Lemming Mafia. And it's cute, and it's clever, and it's easy, and it's everything that a good sort of introductory game should be. And you take that, and you make it much more of an annoyance to teach, and you get Camel Up. Disappointed! <laughs> so, yeah. the, the Agree to disagree, then. <laughs> the, the game in that genre that I wind up teaching the most is actually Hare and Tortoise. Uh, that's one where, uh, well, you probably know the story of the tortoise and hare, and uh, the hare decided that he wanted a rematch. And uh, Taurus, being a mellow sort of dude, is like, okay. And the other woodland creatures decided they wanted in as well. So the fox, the lamb, and the wolf are also joining in on this race. The players are placing bets on them, and again, they're trying to rig the race to make sure that their runners come in first. Only it's actually easy to teach and play, is the thing. Uh, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the, uh, the, the wonderful... You know, um, camels that fit together, and it doesn't have the upside down pyramid with that visceral appeal of pushing a lever and making a die pop out. But what it does have is an absolutely adorable artwork, a uh, wonderful little track thing, and five animals with very distinct personalities. You know, the tortoise is slow and steady, he's always going to move at least one space every single time, unlike everybody else. The hare is typically going to move two faces, two spaces faster than everybody else, even if there's only one card there. Except if he's all alone in first place, He's going to take a little nap because he figures he's got this. Uh, lazy, lazy hair. The lamb just freaks out and runs as fast as possible, but has to stop whenever he gets to water because he's thirsty and needs to take a drink. Uh, the wolf moves pretty slowly, but when he howls, all the other animals are too terrified to move. And that's basically it. I mean, it's you're, you're playing cards to make them move when there's either eight cards down total or four of the same animal. They do their moves. We discard them. We play some more cards. I don't get why people play camel up when we have these other things. I don't. It's because people like camels. Camels are have cute. We, have we done an episode about camels and board games yet? Oh, we there probably have. So many. The the problem is the ones on the box look like they're from a cigarette ad, which also kind of ruins it. But anyway, so betting on races is one way to do this. Here, there. If you want to bet on horses, you can play long shots. If you want to bet on car, do we have a car racing game with betting? Uh, I don't think we no, do. I don't. We certainly don't at the cafe. Whether there's one that exists out there, I mm. couldn't tell you. Um, there's a dog sledding game, 
Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. The snow tails, otherwise known as mush mush. Uh, with that one, you've got two dogs in front of your little sled, and each of them has a speed. And if the one on the left is going faster than the one on the right, then that's going to cause you to turn over Aww. towards that direction. If the one on the right is going faster, so that's how you steer. Oh, that's so you good. Know? You, get, you get one dog to go to run faster than the other one, so that turns your sled. There's a toboggan racing game that we have. It's down in the archives because it's actually not very good, but it's called <laughs> Toboggans of Doom. And you how can, can a game called Toboggans of Doom? Not I know, be I know. You'd think it's a no-brainer, but uh, unfortunately, the, the gameplay is a little lacking. But uh, you you have a toboggan that you can soup up with weapons, and uh, the concept is great. Execution, not so much. But uh, yeah, these these are all games that deal with these with these problems. Like the obstacles on the board in Mushmush, otherwise known as Snowtails, do a really good job of preventing that runaway leader from becoming an issue. Uh, I imagine in uh, Toboggans of Doom, if you have a rocket launcher on your toboggan, <laughs> that'll also serve a purpose, much <laughs> like the blue shells in Mario Kart. Yeah. Same with Cthulhu 500. Uh, stock car racing meets HP Lovecraft. You can equip your cars with uh, things like uh, tentacles of gripping and crushing, uh, bat wings for extra speed, uh, tires out of space and time, that sort of thing. Oh and so you can, uh, yeah, you can you can bring down the leader uh, with your with your weaponry. There's also some take that cards that will allow you to uh, affect the speed of the leader. I feel like more tentacles in a race game is probably a good plan. If sure. You want to balance yeah, absolutely. Things out. Um, if you want things to be serious, though, if you want to take a sort of a sober game design approach to these things, you're probably going to want to bring in the issue of slipstreaming because that's that's how you do. That's how you punish somebody for being in first place for real mm-hmm. in something like this. And Flam Rouge does it very well. Flam Rouge is a new release. Have we, yes. have we got a copy of that one yet? We don't. Uh, we, uh, we tried to get some for retail, and just, there wasn't the supply uh, mm. available to us. Um, so presumably it, there'll be another printing of this yeah, one. hopefully. Uh, so it is a cycling game. And um, the way it handles slipstream is that whoever is in the lead at the end of a turn when everyone's played their, their movement cards, the, the player who has no one in front of them takes a, a exhaustion card into their deck, which will gum up their works. If you are in a position on the board where there is exactly one empty space between you and the cyclist ahead of you, you and everyone who is directly connected to you uh, in, the, in the track behind you, so there are no gaps, you will all move up one space. That's the sort of slipstream drafting. The interesting thing is that the, the exhaustion doesn't just punish the leader, though. It punishes anyone who is not actively taking advantage of slipstreaming. So if there are two spaces between you and the cyclist in front of you, you suffer exhaustion because you don't get the benefit of the slipstream, uh, which is a, a neat element. It also includes uh, an optional way to play with, um, with hills. And uh, so while you're going up a hill, you get an extra exhaustion. And no matter what the value of your movement card is played, there's a maximum that you actually get to move. Mm. Uh, and then when you're coming down the hill... You don't get exhaustion, uh, if I believe that's correct. Uh, but what I definitely know is true is that uh, every card you play counts as a at least a certain amount of movement. So you could play a two, and it counts as a five because you're going downhill. So cool. that sort of solves the problem of always wanting to play your best stuff. Yeah. Because you know, there are times when you want to save it up. Yeah, and there's other- no point in using a nine 
going to go uphill because it's going to count as a five, you know, and, and so, but when you're going downhill, again, that nine is not going to get an advantage because everything is counted as at least a five. So when you're going downhill, that's when you want to play those exhaustion cards that you gathered up because eh, it doesn't matter. You're taking a bit of a break, but you're going downhill, so you're going fast anyway. We talked about Gravwell in our drafting episode already, but it's right. worth talking about again because you are trying to get to point A from point A to point B fastest. Yeah, it is a race. Absolutely. It is a race. But what's interesting about Gravwell is that there is there's nothing in the game besides racing, you know, like it's got no bits and bobs, but just by nature of it, you're constantly going to be pulled in different directions. Like you're always moving somewhere, but you're not always moving in the direction you want to be moving. Mm-hmm. And that's not even just like back and forth and back and forth and forth, forth, back, back. It's so contingent on the people around you because you're being pulled or pushed based on like gravity and based on like mass. So if there's more people in the wrong direction yep. and you play like a pull card, you're going to get pulled that way. And turn order or not. Yeah. matters as yeah. well because if someone takes their turn before you, suddenly that changes the direction that you're going to move in and that pull you played is now the worst thing you yeah, could have played. Yeah, and it's too late because you've already played all of your cards. That's something that Gravwell and uh, Flam Rouge have in common, I think. They have simultaneous card play. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where you all pick a card together and you see them, so you don't really know for sure what your card's going to do because yeah. it's going to be affected by what the other player's cards are going to do. Yeah. You resolve in turn order, but mm-hmm. you, you reveal simultaneously. And in a way, that kind of mirrors a situation to actually be when you're in a race. You can't always tell what the other racers' intentions are, mm-hmm. just to look at them. And sometimes you'll sort of act together, and the results can create confusion and sometimes even dangerous situations. Is that rider going to go left? Are they going to go right? Are they going to really put on a burst of speed right now? Are they going to try to pass? And having your uh, the instincts to time your moves at just the right moment can be the difference between winning or losing, just as much as being able to run or drive or sail quickly. Well, thank you all very much for listening to our week-long series on racing games. And thank you, Steve, for hanging out and talking to us about camels. My pleasure. I love talking games. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, you can at podcast at snakesandlattes.com. The Snakes cast is produced by Dax Audio and music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on this show are ours and belong to nobody else. Join us again next week when we are going to talk about digital apps used to simulate or supplement board games. Because the point of a board game is to sit down with your friends and interact in real life. So why don't we just, like, not do that? (laughs) See you next time. Mm